Prague a- understands Starfighter. <laughs> to them, not derivative at all. Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the music. Now we're up to the latest hit by English singer Phil Collins. The Zingers. Whose husband are you, dog face? <laughs> Whose husband are you looking for? <laughs> and the self-indulgence. Chicks dig me. Because I rarely wear underwear. And when I do, it's usually something unusual. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Yeah, this is going to be sweet. Heading back to the Spears Lair to talk about the best movie scores of the 1980s. Hey, Spearsy, what are you doing? Oh, man, I love the natural Randy Newman. Yeah, yeah, wait for this. Roy Hobbs. Can hit the ball. What are you doing? No, no, shh, shh. Dude, dude, that's a classic. It's Roy like Hobbs. Also, bangling clothes. Dude, burning it. Roy Hobbs. Now he has a kid he never knew he had. What? what? Dude, these are movie scores. They don't have lyrics. But the lyrics make everything better, Sean. Dude, really? You can't? No, we're not going to do this show if you're going to. No, look, I'll prove it. Here. Rob Lowe, he did not rape that girl. Rob Lowe, he just wanted to play saxophone. All right, no, 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 Not only are you smearing the good name of David Foster, who wrote the music to St. Elmo's Fire, you're condoning assault and battery. St. Elmo's Fire is not about assault and battery. It's about ascent into adulthood. What are you talking about? The Jeep was rocking. She was trying to get away. Look, I've got one closing argument. It's going to settle everything. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. Indiana, he wears a hat. Stop. Stop. Indiana, and a bull whip too. Indiana, I'm I'm gonna kick your he's Harrison Ford. And he fights, and he drinks, and he hates Nazis more. Ow! You slapped yeah, me! You deserved this, John Williams! John Williams would have wanted lyrics to no, go with he it. Didn't. I'm pretty sure that there's a, another version on the internet that has the words on it. Indiana, and the Temple of Doom. You slap me again! I hit you in the mouth in a second. Try it. Say it. Say Indiana. Say I'm telling again. you, the Sing 80s. Again. The 80s are always about lyrics. Add lyrics. Ow! You, I can't believe. Son of a bitch! How'd you like a Rubik's cube upside the head? I'm gonna shove this Monchichi up your ass. Do it, buddy. And my Pee Wee doll over there is going on another big adventure. Bring it, tone deaf. You ready for this, my friend? Dude, don't you dare throw that wild turkey bottle at me. I got lots more for you. How about this? A stack of Spando Ballet albums. Who the hell has a stack of Spando Ballet albums? Oh, I know this much is true. These are gonna hurt, Funyun boy. Your taste in music sucks, and so does your aim, pork chop. Oh, Indiana. Ow! Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears with TampaBay.com. And with me, they call him Beloche, Times pop music critic Sean Daly. Belloc. Belloc. Yes, I know. Right, that's my favorite line from the movie. And special guest today... <gasps> Short round. <laughs> Times film critic Steve Persall. The Hello. great one. The bad boy. I can't think of anybody better... That we would want to have on staff right here, 
holding hands with Daly in the studio to discuss the top 10 music scores of the 1980s. Yeah, the top 10 movie scores of the 80s. And I'm like Steve Persall's biggest fan. Why? <laughs> Come on. I love you. You're the bad boy of, uh, of pop culture criticism. You don't care who you piss off. That's true. You'll fight anybody. You 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 badmouth me and demean me, and yet I come back and I still these, these, these are not qualities to admire. <laughs> I still love. He gets better <laughs> interviews than we do. He gets better interviews. He he had Ben Kingsley on. He had Gandhi. I had Steve Perswardy from and, American Idol. And we're working on the uh, John Cusack. And we're working too. on getting John Cusack. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, we talked to Richard Marks. He talks to Gandhi. <laughs> Somewhere uh, I defer. I defer to the great one. The great one, Mr. Well, at least Marshall. I'm not running down Taylor Swift. America's uh, sweetheart. I did not run it. Okay. Only to get that's to Heisman. Time. Let's that's not for, get into that. Yes, that's for another yes, show. I know. <laughs> so here's how this show works. Uh, we are only talking about the scores from movies in the 80s, not the soundtracks. No. So so something like uh, um, Flashdance, let's say, would not count necessarily because it's it's a collection of songs well there was probably a score to Flashdance, mm-hmm. but what flash dance is better known for is its songs so so uh purple rain for example which has may a score, not make this list may not make this list again probably better known for its songs, for its songs. Okay. we're talking the great scores right. um john williams is on here however there's been a john williams stipulation because he was so prevalent in the 1980s and had so many iconic scores, we could only pick one. One. The wow. list has just one entry per composer. Danny Elfman. One. One, one score. Georges Delarue. <laughs> <laughs> one. That's two shows. One. One. Two shows with a spit take by Sean Daly. <laughs> he's the funniest <laughs> son of a bitch around. All right, I love this. I'm a music score, uh, a movie score freak. Remember the old Bill Cosby skit where he'd take his music wherever he went, like when he was a kid? Dun, 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 when he was... Come on, guys! No. You're like a uh, comedian! That's before my time. <laughs> well, anyway, I'm the same way. I'm always humming something. Daily comes up to my... I'm a hummer. <laughs> I, can, I can vouch for that. <laughs> oh, already. There are the classes out of the show already. Let's, uh, without further ado, let's begin the list. Are you guys ready? Sure. Yeah. Number 10. Batman by Danny Elfman. Oh, it's so good. Uh, and it really, just sneaks yeah. in. And, and, and Batman, Danny Elfman, of course, made this great leap from Oingo Boingo and those you know, really sort of strange rock and roll types of things into what you – I mean, you have to fit into a, a little template uh, with, with movie soundtrack composing. You, you see what's up on the screen, the match to it. And the fact that he could go from something as wild and, and off the wall as Oingo Bunga into that kind of thing. And, of course, it helped being with Tim Burton, too, who's about as off the wall as they come to. Yeah. Right. And they've worked together uh, over myriad and over. times. Yeah. I, think, I think I might have. You know, I, I like Batman's score, but I might have been. I might have leaned towards Beetlejuice. No, we talked about. We did okay, talk about this. Yeah. We, we talked about this. I would have leaned towards uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Yeah. Which yeah. is that total, like, music for, for Carnival. It's, like, mm-hmm. just totally crazy. But I think Beetlejuice is very similar to Pee-wee, whereas with Batman, it was a whole new ball game for for you knew it was still Elfman, but it was really dark and ominous. And you know, you know what surprises me, and I'm surprised I got this one onto the list 
and not Danny Elfman in Midnight Run, which I know is one of your personal favorites. Yeah, it is. It is. I, but Midnight Run was in the 80s. Yes, it was. The only the thing what? I remember hearing in that movie is the uh, De Niro and Groden dropping the F-bombs all the time. Yeah, oh, man, a, no. His... That, was, that was the soundtrack of that movie. I, I, I thought that was 90s Midnight Run. You son, you son of a bitch. Uh, no, that's also a great one. I love it. It's on my iPod. No, I still think this is, when you think of iconic music scores, Batman, I think, it's is just a half a step before the other one. And I've told the story many, many, many times, but when I was an usher, I was a young man, I was, I was an usher uh, one summer when Batman was out. Uh, there's, a, I think, a couple movies on here, at least another one that was at the theater. And guys in, like, tight Batman masks would come in, like, the fat Batman, and they'd go into the theater, and uh, this the, the score would start, and all, all the fatties would start jiggling in their Batman outfits. I know, don't look, what are you looking at me like that's, that for? That's a good story, Sean. Can we go to number nine? <laughs> what's, you know what's really sad, though, about Danny Elfman? He's been nominated for now four Oscars for his scores for Milk, uh, Big Fish, Goodwill Hunting, and Men in Black. Hasn't won one yet. He's been nominated for multiple Grammys, has not won one yet. The only thing that uh, Batman won was the uh, BMI uh, music, uh, the film music. So iconic. That's mm-hmm. bogus. It should have won. Well, I, th- I think in that case, too, I think people sort of went, they may remember more of the Prince songs that he contributed to the soundtrack, too. True. So that's that may be something that sort of, uh, maybe, maybe people didn't want to give Elfman the credit he deserved because too much attention was being taken away by that short little yeah. pixie he's, from He'll uh, get his due someday. <laughs> he'll get his due someday. Yeah. Ready for, the next? for Alice in Wonderland, his next Burton thing coming out next week. Yeah, you're going to review that this week? We're looking forward yes, to it. Yes, I am. Uh, next, listen, I, by the way, I've, I've heard that score for Alice in Wonderland. It's mm-hmm. very gothic, like, oh, oh, oh. Oh, I would never Alice expect. I would never expect gothic <laughs> from a Tim Burton movie. <laughs> Caterpillar. <laughs> really? No, but there is actual singing. I'm like Spearsy in our intro. Here she comes. Rabbit hole. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Number nine. A bit of an unusual pick here, The Last Starfighter with Craig Saffin. Love that music. I believe that's pronounced Safan. <laughs> <laughs> it's cashmere. Now, you could say you could say that Mr. Saffin was openly biting the work of John Williams well, Exactly. In this. Now, see, that's why I don't really agree with the inclusion of this one either. Uh, for one, I, I don't remember too much of the movie to start with. Besides Robert Preston. But, uh, but at the same time, I, I think it's a very derivative Score from what I could recall, from what I could, nothing really knocked me out about it 20 years ago when it came out. There's nothing derivative about <laughs> The Last Starfighter. <laughs> totally original. It's a totally original concept. Well, we're told nerds for it. We've done a show. Thanks for listening, Persol. I want to listen when I'm on. We did a podcast on this. It's one of our greatest. <laughs> cricket, I don't cricket. think anyone. When, in the I great... just love this movie so much. I have this uh, score on my soundtrack too. And when I'm driving to work and I got to boost myself up, crank up the Starfighter. Here I come. Do you pretend like you're Centauri? <laughs> I do. Driving to Rylos? I do. But that's all right. I mean, listen, John Williams is John Williams. I mean, I, I mean, you know, imitation being the sincerest form of flattery. I mean, yeah. how do you not imitate John Williams? I mean, he was so... Um, well, it's like you wanted to put uh, the soundtrack from Silverado on here, too. And every Western since 1960s sounded like Elmer Bernstein. 
Uh, or Aaron you know, Copeland, so the whole exactly, Aaron Copeland, exactly. right? Randy Newman. I, well, Silverado is just a great score, too. But I didn't get my way there. No. But I got my way with uh, The Last Starfighter. And again, it was between The Last Starfighter or Safin's other work, uh, Remo Williams, The Adventure. <laughs> Remo began. Williams. What? what? They're actually, there was talk I about really, that being remade now. Remo Williams. There, there's, there's somebody who has it, I think, in, in some kind of very early pre-production. Really? But uh, yeah, Remo I like Remo Ward. Williams Fred with Ward. Joel Gray as yeah, the. Uh, yeah. it's a, now it's a really campy, fun movie, and and the score is fantastic. In fact, like, you can remember, it's pretty memorable. Is it? And actually, when the movie was made, and we're getting way off, it was supposed to be the first in a series of movies, but yeah. unfortunately, the Obama. Begins. It's right there in the title. They were funny. Right. Fred Ward was great in it. Yeah, it's oh, good. Let's do a Remo it. Williams show. What year was that? 1984. Oh, you know. A lot of the movies on today's podcast, 1983 and 1984. Uh, number eight on the list. Number eight. God bless you, David Foster, for the love theme from St. Elmo's Fire. Got you lucky. Got you lucky a lot. Did you get laid? <laughs> yes, Spears, what don't you understand what he's trying to say? Spears like, lucky? What is this concept of lucky? Lucky, lucky. Oh, it's Does not he lucky. be at the casino? That's not what luck. Are you, uh, you That's not know? luck. That's skill. I love, come on, I love that for solid here. Woo! It's like the opposite of the last three podcasts, right? I, I sort of like, I was a little bit, you know, above daily now, but back above where I belong. Above daily? What in the F is that? Let's talk. Let's sort stay like the on hover. topic. I was doing the hover on daily. Let's stay on topic. I'd hate for uh, Peter Kofsky to say that well, we didn't have enough content in the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. Um, this was nominated for a Grammy. Uh, it lost to another movie that will be on this Ooh, list. Ooh, it did indeed, mm. didn't it? Look at that. Nice yeah, yeah. research, Spearsy. Yep. Yeah. I'm just I'm, I'm getting tired of David Foster invading my public television stations with his Friends concert. <laughs> God, and, Andrew sp- and speaking of Friends, all over the place. Speaking of Friends, his co-credits on the score. There's like a dozen people listed, including uh, John Parr and the great Richard Marks. Believe it or not, there you I go. Love Richard Marks. Now, this you can't ride in an elevator without hearing the love theme from Saint Elmo's <laughs> Fire. And yet, I must admit, there was a time in my life where I did enjoy this. You don't now? I do, I do. But be, there was a time where I really enjoyed it <laughs> in a very special, personal way. Back when but you no, were a man good. in motion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> or as Jen Mack would say, Sean Daly, party one. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> okay. Oh, this is really body, but we're flying, baby. I love it. I never would have thought, We've done shows on the coming of age in the 80s. It was not nearly as body as the musical <laughs> scores of the 80s. But here's the thing. You know what? Sometimes we're providing a public service on this podcast, and how many people are going to go to iTunes and start buying some of this stuff? You can get The Last Starfighter on our iTunes uh Mr. Purcell. Okay, I'll be right there. It's something like the Prague Orchestra, though. The Prague Philharmonic or something. Prague understands Starfighter. (laughs) To them, not derivative at all. (laughs) You ready for the next one? This one's a Steve Purcell special. I'm going to start crying. This is what I asked to include here and take out your Silverado. That's all right. And I agreed with you. I agreed. And watch. Let's set the egg timer and see how long it takes Steve Spears to start crying like a baby. Number seven.
terms of endearment. Yeah, give but... her her medicine. Give her her medicine. <laughs> That's right. The great Michael Gore. Um, yeah, I do remember seeing this in the theaters with a girlfriend. Well, you know, it, but the thing crying is, crying like a baby. It's it's one of those themes that you know Hollywood always recycles these things when they put out preview trailers, especially early trailers. Yeah, uh, because the the complete score hasn't been you know, finished yet or something like that. So they use tracks from previous movies and you'll hear that terms of endearment over uh, and over, over and in, over in movies. You also hear the gladiator theme. You know what they uh, also use a, a ton of Shawshank Redemption. A lot of Shawshank Thomas Redemption. Thomas Newman, which is one exactly. of my favorite, not eighties obviously, but Shawshank is, yeah. Oh man, that's brutal. It's great. Michael Gore uh, probably might've been better known. He did the, uh, he worked on fame, the movie fame. He, uh, he also, believe it or not, one of the movies that you don't think of as having a score pretty in pink. Mm hmm. Um, he worked on that and Defending Your Life, which Defending Your Life is score. a great movie. It's I know, yeah, it's not movie, but it's got yeah. a great score to yeah. it too. Yeah, it's not an '80s movie, but I love it. I have it on DVD. Whenever it's on TV, boom, I'll watch the whole thing. Take a piss. <laughs> I love. It. I can't go into a sushi restaurant. Terms of Endearment, I saw with my mother, Mary Daly, and behind oh. me was like a bunch of high school girls, girls I went to like uh, high school with. And I remember, like, not only being embarrassed, I was with my mom, and I had the high scores behind me, but the fact that I was sobbing. That you're so it's like, how am I going to get out of here? I'm bawling, you know? Like, I don't have any napkins. How am I going to get out of this theater with uh, my dignity intact? That movie still hold up over time? Do you? Think oh yeah, that? yeah, yeah. I, I I watch it just about every time it, it comes on TV. If I if I have the time and everything, I'll flip over and start and then go all the way to the finish with it. James so, yeah, Brooks, ter- brilliant. Yeah, brilliant writing. Jack Nicholson, my man. You know, you, one of one of his best performances ever. Oscar winner, of course. With yeah. Uh, so yeah, maybe the best movie that you have on this list. Ooh, Ooh not really? so much not so much the soundtrack necessarily, but overall the best movie. movie. Yeah, yeah, I'll list. give you that. Could be maybe. Maybe. Um, let me ask you. Let, let's pause for a second and ask Mr. Uh, Persaud. We have him here. Why does it seem like the 80s was a golden age for movie scores? We have all these iconic uh, scores here. I mean, am I overstating it? I mean, like yeah, 40s I, I, and 50s? I don't, I, mean, I, don't think it was, I don't think it was that much of an improvement over any other decade, but uh, you had the soundtrack issue there where they were bringing in these hit songs you know, so they could sell a lot of albums uh, or cassettes or whatever mm-hmm. it might be at that time. Um, yeah, so so I think the scores just got a little bit more attention, oh. perhaps. Um, you also had you know, a little bit of a change in the way uh, preview trailers were cut. You know, so it wasn't so much just a, just a, a compilation of short little scenes or snippets of the movie. You had the action, you had the editing, you had that MTV type of style coming in with it, and you got to have some music in the background. So a lot of them got uh, got known through that kind of means. Too. But Steve, let me ask you. I mean, when's the last time you walked out of a theater and you were uh, humming humming a, a theme like you know you walked out at Raiders dun, 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 or Star Wars or even Batman right. or some of these? I would argue. I would argue that maybe this isn't the golden decade of uh, scores, but I would say it was the last good decade. I, I would say that after the eighties. That art form was largely lost. This, this is a huge week for Mr. Persall. It's Oscars week, obviously, and um, the scores for this week are, 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 are for this year are okay. But the great one is up mm-hmm. by uh, the the Pixar by Michael Junkino. Uh, Junkino, and it's great. It's like yeah. I can think of it right now. It's very rousing. But you, but what you have, what you have with that is you have music sort of carrying a lot of the drama, especially in that first 10, 15 minutes. That that uh, that montage of their of their. So that's, that, that's bringing back sort of the old silent movie type of vibe where the music has to do a, a lot of the dramatic, you know, um, uh, whatever you want to call it there. Yeah. I'm try- starting to talk too much. <laughs> no, no, no. You're doing great. I just thought it's it's kind of interesting. I mean, maybe it's because these are really uh, formative days for us. Like, 
you know, we come out of all these movies and wow, what we just saw on screen we had never seen before. Right. But I'm thinking like Harry Potter movie, you know, that little with John Williams and then the up theme. But I didn't leave Avatar humming a theme. In no. fact, five right. minutes in my car after Avatar, I loved the movie, but I couldn't remember James Horner's score at all. I, I think it happens with a lot of James Horner's scores. Yeah. Which, yeah. Interesting. All right, that was kind of nerd talk, but I wanted to get that there because I am a huge uh, yeah. and nobody fan nobody of speaks stories. nerd as well as you. <laughs> well, right. or that man in there. <laughs> well, nice. All right, nerd, take it away. Number six. Risky Business by Tangerine Dream. Tangerine Dream. Awesome. That was a that was a great, great band. Great German electronica band. Sort of like Audubon. Yeah, you know, Audubon from Big Lebowski. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, no. Uh, I now see. I, I like. Uh, of course, it's memorable with the train scene in the end. Yeah. You know, that kind of dreamy, almost a sexual fantasy type of state that's going on at that particular time. Have you ever seen the movie Sorcerer? Mm. Now, see, that's a movie that just like we were talking. Roy Scheider? Yeah, Roy Scheider. It's a, re- it's a remake of The Wages of Fear, uh, a French movie from back in the 1940s, where these guys are taking this, this truckload of nitroglycerin through uh, the, the jungle and trying to get it across this bridge, all this perilous territory stuff. Great thriller, but there's a movie that, like Up, the first part of Up, the music propels it. Not much dialogue, per se. In it. Yeah. Do you know who but did it? Did that's, Tangerine, that's Tangerine Dream? Dream. Yeah. No kidding. I'm going to so, put so that that's, on my Netflix that's, uh, that's That's... That's a one that, if you're looking at Tangerine Dream, certainly uh, uh, Risky Business fits more into your vibe here with the 80s right. stuff. In here. And it, but that's all, also an 80s movie, too. Yeah. So it's, Sorcerer. It's, it's, awesome. Have you Sorcerer. seen it? Experience? No. Very, no. very rare, very obscure movie, but certainly yeah. worth a look. Tangerine Dream did over 60 uh, musical scores. And uh, some of the ones from the 80s include uh, Thief, uh, uh, Firestarter, Legend, all done by Tangerine Dream. And one, uh, one of my favorite movies from the 80s, uh, Miracle Mile. Anthony Edwards, uh, where they, the phone call comes through. Look at you, stump the genius yeah, in there. Yeah, the, the phone call comes through. He picks it up on a payphone, and, and he finds out that there's going to be a nuclear detonation. So he's trying to round up this girl that he just met that night and get her through the city and get her out of town, hopefully before the big blast. Great wow. movie. That Terrific. good. Terrific. Miracle Sorcerer. I can't believe I'm coming in here and telling you guys about 80s movies. This, this is not I right. I love that. And I think it's all a matter of how old right you were now, when you were in the 80s. all our listeners are going to Netflix. Do, 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 right there. Thank you, Steve. Yeah. It's all good. Well, risky Business, I have the soundtrack, but I had to pay a fortune for it because it's not available on CD. It's really, really hard to get. Ready to move on? Sure. I am. Number five. Bill Conti and the right stuff. I'm standing up and saluting right now. Yes. Wow. Yes, you are. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Impressive, Mr. Purcell. Not so short round. <laughs> this is one of those. This is one of those movies. One of these three-hour extravaganza movies from the '80s that I love. For Let's, some reason, I'm stuck on really long movies in the '80s. Gandhi, yeah. right stuff. Uh, Chariots of Fire. 
Was he said, "Let's light this candle"? Is that what he said? Yeah, right. yeah. You know, it's it's, it's uh, one of those patriotic themes that you sh- that you hear coming back over and over again. Sporting events, um, the Olympics, these kinds of things. You know, that you're you're going to hear snippets of Conti's theme with that because, and, and certainly that iconic slow motion walk into the camera oh, great. of the heroes. Yeah. I mean, every every yeah. movie has had that, and it's got become a cliche right right then. But the music behind that slow mo is what makes it memorable there too. Bill Conti also does the music for the Oscars, doesn't he? Uh, he's he was the composer uh, and the conductor for the Oscars, I should say, uh, for a number of years. He's not anymore. I mean, he hasn't done it. I don't think in two or three years. But he had a string of about ten, fifteen years there where he was. Wow. You know, waving the baton down there, and he was the orchestra guy cutting everybody off from their from their acceptance speeches. Uh, but really, yeah, that's he didn't he didn't really do that many other movie major movie uh, soundtracks. He was living off his Rocky, Rocky royalties all those years too. Oh, oh right. yeah, Rocky well, if, if you want to point to a couple other eighties ones, he did uh, Fear Eyes Only, and he did the Karate Kid. He didn't write the Sheena, Sheena Easton song. No, no, he just did for, the score. Wasn't that uh, Sheena yeah. Easton for yeah. Yeah. No, he just did the score. I didn't ask for Steve a demonstration. <laughs> Remember earlier when we were talking about David Foster and how he uh, was nominated for a Grammy and lost to another person on the list? Yeah. Yes. It's time for that person on the list. Are you ready? There you go. Yes. Number four. Beverly Hills Cop. Awesome. Harold Faltermeyer. I love it. He would win the Grammy. Um, Poor uh, David Foster not to be. Well, uh, I think it's a a good choice between the two there. I mean, there's a a very definitive 80s synth pop type of score. It's one of those things that that when you hear it, you think of the 80s, like the Miami Vice theme or one of those kinds of things. It's truly stuck in the decade. It does does not have wheels. It's a huge hit, too. It's a hit on its own. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. His score. Uh, And in Faltemeyer, it becomes such a, I guess, sort of an iconic type of cop buddy movie type thing. Kevin Smith just hired Faltemeyer to do the soundtrack for Cop Out, that really lousy uh, really? Bruce Willis, Tracy Morgan movie. Yeah, that's Faltermeyer's score in there, which I did not really notice during the movie. So it's, is it synth poppy? Well, you know what? I cannot. I, I saw the movie what a week ago, week yeah. and a half ago. I can't remember the music in it. The, the movie sucked totally. Yeah. So I was turning it off a little bit as it is. It wasn't until later I realized it was Faltermeyer, but it also maybe maybe it's just because that kind of sound that he was actually spoofing and, re- and reprising with. Cop out. It's just become so ingrained into our heads. It That's what a the cop background. movie is supposed to sound like. Yeah, you don't even notice it anymore. Back then, it yeah. was it, it stood out. Today, not so much. Right. Um, uh, Faltermeyer was not nominated for an Oscar for this, uh, unbelievably or not. He was nominated to uh, for a, a British Academy Award. Um, Lost to uh, witness. Ooh, I like that. I know the barn see, racing. That's, the barn racing. That's, that's 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 one that I would like to see on this list. Son of a god! I said that the whole time. You're like witness sucks. I didn't say witness sucks. I said you suck. Oh, actually, no, we couldn't. I'm sorry. I you know what? I I apologize, Steve, because per our rule, uh-huh. Maurice Jar, who did witness, is also on our list for another movie, and thus we he his other movie won out. I apologize, Stephen. Yeah. For, don't for don't forget uh, Faltermeyer. Don't forget Faltermeyer's work on the the uh, epic uh, Tango and Cash too. <laughs> uh, no, he did the Top Gun anthem. Is that? 
that one. Yep. Yeah. And it I, sounded just like that. <laughs> and I have this on vinyl. He did Fletch. Yeah. <laughs> that is good. <laughs> Come on. Can we can we buy him a Casio keyboard or something so he can have something? I love that. Yeah, and we'll give you the whole Seggies to start to learn how to play it. How's yeah, that? Bring on the Seggies. Ah, by the sound of the tone, it must be time for Reader Mailbag. And as usual, Sean Daly has picked out the one email that doesn't make fun of him and makes him <laughs> actually know. look like a halfway decent guy. My lord, I'm getting pounded lately. And not in a good way. <laughs> What's going on with all the Daily hate mail? Let's have where's the where the, the, the where's Team Daily out there? They're not in Australia, my friend. No, they're not Australia. The, the hate hates mail from me. Australia is just ridiculous. Somebody uh wrote in and said, You're the class of the show. Steve Spears is the class of the show, and I'm the handbrake. Ah. A handbrake. I think they meant hand job. <laughs> oh, no, ew. I'm calling HR. <laughs> You okay, call but- HR? You were saluting his erection 10 minutes ago, <laughs> and I'm going to get in trouble for saying hand job. It was a patriotic well, salute. It was it a patriotic was- erection. That'd be a great band name, he ladies did. and gentlemen, patriotic erection. No, nah, Sexual Napalm is the name of my <laughs> band. That's, that's the band. I'm going to start a band just like a name, <laughs> Sexual Napalm. Thank you, John Mayer. Oh, gosh. Okay, yes, this week's letter is actually quite lovely and very sincere and very nice. And nobody gets bashed. Who wrote it? Lyle in Vermont. Are you ready? Go ahead. Dear Stephen Sean, I've been a longtime listener of Stuck in the 80s and have recommended the show to many of my family and friends. The podcasts allow me to enjoy myself while performing the more mundane tasks in life, like mowing the lawn, driving to work, and shoveling the driveway. I've enjoyed your antics across many states and even overseas. Stuck in the 80s receives priority listening on my iPod when I'm budgeting my storage space for trips. How about that, Mr. Persaw? I don't know what an iPod is. <laughs> That's kind of a catchy slogan. Maybe we should put that on T-shirts. What's that? Deserves priority listing on iPods <laughs> when budgeting sport. That's <laughs> Don Pardo, Ricardo. Yeah. All right. Uh, my wife Angie and I are expecting our first child soon. Congratulations. Congratulations, Lyle and Angie. Uh, and we recently found ourselves in Maine visiting family. They had just experienced a fairly nasty storm, and the power was out during our entire visit. We had a few hours to ourselves one morning after a rather restless night's sleep, wink, and it's not. <laughs> and we both needed something to lighten the mood. Although I had brought my iPod, I didn't think to bring my portable battery-powered external speakers. All I had were my earbuds. But suddenly, I had an idea. I sprang into MacGyver mode and placed my earbuds into a small nearby vase and cranked up the iPod to full blast. Though it was not as loud or as clear... As clean as it would have been with a set of speakers, the vase provided enough reverberance to sufficiently amplify the earbud sound in the quiet house. Sounds like you're having fun with the science fair project. (laughs) For the next two hours, my wife and I sat back and enjoyed some much appreciated stuck-in-the-80s humor. How about that, Steve? Thank you for the great podcast, and I hope it continues for many years to come. Rest assured that Stuck in the 80s will be on the iPod when we're at the hospital this spring. Who knows? We may even find ourselves listening to a favorite episode or two during the early stages of labor to keep us smiling. A Stuck in the 80s first, perhaps? Either way, keep up the great work. Lyle in Vermont. I know what episode they should listen to. She's, I was going to ask. Really? You. Go ahead. Yeah. She's having a baby. Oh, that's really nice. It's a great one. We did I was that when you any, were... any episode where Daly starts singing like he was before. That that would drive that me. Into, that would drive me into labor, and I don't yeah. have ovaries. And when, 
I'll even. <laughs> I, I don't think. For a yeah, I don't think anyone has ever delivered a. I don't think anyone. And ever, whoever's talking at the time, that should be the baby's, baby's name. name. Great. Baby's right. And the baby is named Base Note. <laughs> no, no, damn you, Base Note. I don't think anyone's ever delivered to it during a podcast. But I have to ask this: Do you think anyone's ever er, 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 during a podcast? While listening to one? I would say right now it's probably like an anti-Viagra listening to this podcast. <laughs> Some people uh, so- find my voice soothing. Uh-huh. <laughs> Some people find dailies grating. Yeah. Now, after this nice letter, why, would you, why are you always being mean lately? Uh, why can't we be friends? <laughs> Go ahead. Where can people uh, write in? As always, email us at stuckinities at tampabay.com. What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for Mystery Movie Moment. Hey, it's the segment where I play a snippet of a movie from the 80s, and if you can get it right, um, I'm told, what, no more band stickers? Even though you don't know, Daly doesn't know. Daly doesn't sit next to me. He doesn't know what I send out. He doesn't know what emails I answer. He's just trying to aggravate the masses, turn them against me. No, I want everyone to get along, Steve. While riding your coattails. Yeah. How can you handle all that silk? <laughs> Pay attention. Here was last week's clip. Is it your class or is it our class? It's our class. Big brain. That's John Cryer, and I never thought I'd say this the great Keith Coogan <laughs> in Hiding Out. Uh, and even though we've talked about this movie a million times, only one person got it right uh, Robin Laguna from uh, Lagana. What? Robin Lagana. No, she called me and said it was Laguna. No, she didn't. You said it's like loungers. <laughs> Good for Robin. So only one person. One Saugus, person. California. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery tune. Oh, my God. You've got a cast on your leg. Oh, this? Oh, I think nothing of it. Hardly matters at all. It's uh, just a big sock, really. If you know it, email us at stuckinnews.tempe.com and you, too, can be a wiener. Ah, the mystical refrain of name that 80s tune. Hey, we're going to play a snippet of a song from the 80s. Again, get it right, and I will mispronounce your name on the next show. Um, remember, last week's t- uh, challenge was actually a montage by the great David Peterkovsky. You're just asking for it. <laughs> He's the best friend this show ever had. I love Peterkovsky. Peterkovsky and I have so many. It's like me booing myself. We bought Syracuse kids. I mean, uh, same birthdays. We're essentially the same person. I uh, love Peter Kofsky. I just get along with him a lot better than you. Pay attention. <sighs> Here comes f- five clips mashed together. <sighs> Tough one. Here are the five correct answers in order. Uh, Lawyers in Love by Jackson Brown. On My Own by Michael McDonald and Patti LaBelle. Hang Fire by the Rolling Stones. Shattered Dreams by Johnny Hates Jazz. And Let It Whip by the Daz Band. <laughs> and, let uh, it whip. Whip it, baby. Whip it, right. That's a good tune, <laughs> Let It Whip. I'm going to go buy that on oh, iTunes. No. Everybody had trouble, most trouble with uh, Shattered Dreams by Johnny Hates Jazz. That's what tripped up most people. Or uh, On My Own by, the Michael, by Michael McDonald. Oh, Why'd you we have to end this way? <laughs> this isn't how love was supposed to be. You're good. You got a nice... I we should a, do I, it more often. I now Sweden is angry at us, too. Right 
Uh, we actually had several winners. Um, go ahead and read them. Uh, Brother Ron in Dallas, David Cedillo in Kansas, and Tina Temperance in some random unimportant state who wins the Night Ranger shirt. Yeah, the, night, the autographed Night Ranger shirt from uh, Guantanamo Bay is now in the property swear, of Tina. Oh, man, I swear we had somebody else win this. I can't remember. Sorry if you, uh, <laughs> if you right. Facebook me. Tina somebody. Tina Kurtos. That's Tina, that's who it is. Tina and Temperance. Tina and Temperance. Oh, duh. <laughs> Stuck in the 80s. I love it. <laughs> Quality programming at its best. <laughs> wow, we are you firing get, on all cylinders, baby. You get what you pay for, my friends. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. If you know it, emails at stuckinews.tv.com. Next week, you too can be a wiener. Kind of like a Jackson 5 feel. <laughs> Persaud's voice is going along with my uh, sense of humor. Hey, this is a segment where we answer a reader question. Uh, we got a lot of good ones this week, but uh, because Persaud, the film critic, is our guest, we picked one especially for him. I feel honored. Daily, read it. Yes, this is from Big Ted's Gas Farm, who asks, with all these Hollywood remakes of 80s movies, I wonder what if put in charge of a studio... Which movie you would choose to remake from the eighties, Steve Persall? Um, I bet you have great ones. Going I gave us on. a little thought here. I, yeah, see, I think I, when I wrote about the Crazies, that remake of the uh, Romero movie. Yeah. If you're gonna make a remake a uh, if you're gonna remake a movie, it has to be some movie that has. It's a little bit obscure. That doesn't really it, it invite expectations when you walk in. If you don't know that it was made before, fine. So I, I picked nineteen eighties, nineteen eighty fours, A Passage to India. By David Lean. For one thing, how many people really saw it? Nobody. Not me. Uh, but I think it was, I think the reason nobody saw it was that it was too British. So we're going to move it to America. We're going to call it uh, a passage to Indiana, <laughs> and uh, we're going to. It's going to star um, the cast of Twilight, and it would also star Betty White in the role that won uh, Dame Peggy Ashcroft an Academy Award you for love Best Betty Supporting White. Actor. I do love Betty White. We, would we you? And, would you? Betty I White? would. I did. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's it's um, coincidentally passage to India, as you mentioned, uh, uh, scored by Maurice Jarre, oh. whose, whose name has come up already, and it's David Lean's last film, so he can't complain about what we do with it. You should also check out a passage to Asia Carrera. It's really good. <laughs> it's also a very good eighties film. I'd remake that. How about you, Mister? Starring Sean Daly. Remake. Uh, you know, you know, our mystery movie moment from last week, uh, Hiding Out, I think would be uh, really good. I like movies about grown men going back and dating high school girls. Uh, but also, you could it was a good premise, and I think you could have some fun with it. Maybe Ryan Reynolds. I, but he's maybe a little too old to go yeah, back and well, pass his... Uh, but you have to have somebody who's going to have that little bit of a nerdy... Maybe, uh, maybe Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Good one. He could pass okay. for a high he, he school. He could pass for yeah, high school. Guy. I like that. Yeah. And also, a little tidbit for you... Um, I don't know. I I just love this movie. I like I like it so much. I'd like to see it remade. Do you remember Outland? Yeah, with Sean, Sean Connery. Connery. Yeah. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, it's a good one. It's an awesome movie, and not, it's funny. I think we're the only three guys who actually remember it. He plays like a um, he's a, a bounty hunter in outer space. No, he's, he's a cop on a space yeah. station. That is like uh, Peter Boyle's the bad guy. He's bringing drugs into the space station, and basically Connery has to like fight everybody. You know, but it's great. But the special effects are a little cheese ball, and now it'd be fun to uh, see what somebody could do with it. I'd like to see him remake Zardoz. 
I don't know what that was. like, God. I blank. I wish this was television so people could just see the, the look on your yeah. face. We were talking Sean Connery movies, outer space movies, Zardoz. Look it up. Zardoz. Look Man, it up. Yeah. This is a cornucopia of, of Netflix action. Yeah. Yeah. So Mr. Spears, what would you remake? Um, I know Persol has is, is really you know adamant about trying to pick a movie that you don't remember so well from the eighties. I would my philosophy would be take a movie from the eighties that has um, antiquated technology that could be done so much better today and redo it. Now, Tron would have been the perfect answer had they not been already making a sequel. But I'll take the next best thing. I'll take War Games because uh, the technology you see in that uh, telephone modems, you know, black and white monitors, all that kind of crazy stuff doesn't exist anymore. I'd like to see that refreshing up. Well, neither does really that kind of warfare either. I mean, we don't we don't live in a Cold War climate anymore, right? So you have you to know, change. So you, have, you have to you have to have them playing war games against the Taliban. Right. I don't know if they have how many computers they have in the caves over there. Yeah, there's that or. Uh it's kind of pathetic. Enemy Mine with Dennis Quaid. Ah, I love that. Fire. That's, yeah. that's, yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Fire. Fire. <laughs> you take back what you said about Mickey Mouse. Um, yeah, that, that would be a good one. I mean, it's a horrible movie, but the, the, the special effects were awful. Hey, um, if you want to send us a PPTMN, the easiest way to do it, email us, um, or you can send it to us on Facebook. But always remember, put PPTMN in the subject line, or else it gets lost with the daily hate mail. If you're not ready to give up on mullets in Madonna, log on to Stuck in the 80s, just one of the many blogs you'll find at TampaBay.com, the website of the St. Petersburg Times. Relive the music, movies, and culture of the greatest decade ever, only at TampaBay.com. And we are back and ready to finish our list of the top 10 movie scores of the 80s. And I know a lot of people are still not seeing a few familiar names. We haven't done a John Williams one yet. He's coming. He's coming. Um, who else have we not done yet? You have to find out. You ready for the next one on the list? Number three. The Natural by Randy Newman. Absolutely. Oh, man. Yeah. This is... You know who comes out... Um, uh, when he does a concert, he comes out to this, uh, the music? Billy Joel. Billy Joel. <laughs> Billy Joel plays this. I thought was really, really ballsy of him to come out to the, the sound Natural. This is... Um, yeah, this... Wow, this is tough. Uh, for a while, I had this as my number one movie music. Obviously, it's Randy Newman. We talked about Aaron Copeland, the great American composer before, rodeo, all that stuff. And this is just so incredibly moving. And it just works perfectly in concert at the end of The Natural. What did you think about the movie as a whole? Oh, I love the movie. Yeah, yeah. absolutely love the movie. That's before I was ever a, a critic you know, or anything like that, or writing about movies or anything like that. But certainly, you, know, you, you can't help but get caught up in that last game when Roy Hobbs knocks out the scoreboard. <laughs> with with his with his home run, it's just and the whole and I have the soundtrack and the whole thing is just so good. And even the quiet stuff for Roy and uh, and his girlfriend, you know, going back on the farm like the prologue. I'm really nerding out right now, but yeah. that's okay because I love it that much. It's just so incredibly good. And Newman's great at this stuff. And of course, Randy well, Newman's from he, a family. He, he of writes composers. he writes terrific in for either animated movies or period pieces. Yeah, you don't want to put him in in a in a contemporary type of piece. I, I don't think Parenthood was a, was a really good 
particular particularly good score, even though it did have that one song, the moment. Of, he, he did the. I'd pa- love to he, see you smile. I he did the paper, which I liked a lot. The paper was okay, but he he works best when he has that kind of you know early American spirit to it, like Ragtime is first. Thanks this, for mentioning Ragtime. This, this is was, another this was great second, soundtrack. This was a second one. Ragtime is first. This is second. So he was in that mode. By now, we've gotten used to that. And, and Mad TV ran that great thing about uh, uh, Randy Newman a few years ago where the guy was impersonating him and he says, yeah, I'm going to write a song. I'm going to have some lunch. Funny lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have some lunch. Yeah. You know, it's, but it, but he, so he has that kind of situation he's, he's locked himself into. Uh, un, unless, of course, he gets into an animated, gets into a Pixar type of thing. Then... I love his but, Pixar but, stuff, but that those kind of things sound pretty identical too. He's been he's been riding the <clears throat> I same hope, wave for a long time. I hope you write about the Princess and the Frog on Sunday night for the Oscars because I thought his music for that was really really good. Um, he's, not I, I, I I mean, he's not gonna win. I mean, he's not gonna win because well, I, I, obviously you know the, you, well we'll see because we we're talking about the uh, the weary uh, yeah, like the, the weary kind, the weary kind from Crazy Heart. Heart. I would yeah. I would that's that's gonna win. But and, this is so good and it's so good when Spears sings his Roy Hobbs <laughs> lyrics over it. That was really touching. I, that's the whole skit idea that we did at the beginning was was me just joking around through your desk about that, and somehow we just because I think you were annoying me by doing. I it. was trying to just be annoying, and to I was Sean. being very sincere and earnest, and you were. I'm like, dude, you're ruining it. And we're like, all right, let's just do this. Let's just do a skit on this instead. Yeah, so. But it's great. All right, so t- we have two more. What could possibly be better than Randy Newman's score for The Natural? Tell them. This Steve. one's going to be a shocking one. Are you ready? Number two. Dead Poets Society by Maurice Jarret. See, I think you're, I think you're using it and, and choosing it and placing that up so high. It's a good score, but in placing it up so high, you're talking about the the uh, circumstances of, in which of what's happening up on the screen when you hear the, this kind of stuff. I mean, standing up on the desks at the end, that whole you know uh, uh, educational rebellion. That, oh, Captain, that's going my Captain! On there. They yeah. all stand on the desk at the end of right. Dead Poets. If it didn't have a memorable sight like that behind it. Would it would it still matter to you? Absolutely. Well, I think Absolutely. that's what makes a musical score great, though. I mean, the whole point that these that the scene and the music are are wedded that that's what to me that makes it even a, a more important reason that we picked it number two. But he was writing to that scene. You talked about that earlier. Mm-hmm. I mean, Maurice Jarre is writing to that uh, scene on the you know, and so he's really rousing. He has to capture that. Mm-hmm. We go back to Avatar. Avatar has all these great. You know, uh, emotional, captivating scenes. I can't remember anything that was going on there. So you have to have some sort of hook. And with uh, Dead Poets Society, of the score, you definitely have that hook. And when you come out of the theater, you know, you're you're kind of humming it and you're feeling really good. <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? He doesn't care. <laughs> this is weird because you know, in in, a, in five years of doing this show, in 191 episodes, God, I don't think really? we've ever <laughs> talked about Dead Poets Society. Why is that? Did you cry when you saw this? Yeah, like a baby. <laughs> Like always, I cried during *Empire Strikes Back*. Vader. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I was going to uh, pick a jury script, we mentioned it before. *Witness*. Yeah. *Witness*. Like you said, the barn raising yeah. scene, that kind yeah. of stuff. I, I mean, that, I can live the rest of my is, life and never see *Witness* again. But that—that's one. I mean, you have to have the the uh, idyllic countryside types of themes, but also the tense city types of scenes that go yeah. on in the beginning of the movie. Then you have to meld those two together. 
you know, if you listen to it, it has that kind of urban thumping, you know, pulsating type of uh, of tension. But at the same time, it has that bucolic. Yeah, and it's all done with synths, which is amazing. Here it is, this really, you're you're out in the country, you're in, you know, Lancaster, PA, you Mm -hmm. know, it's rustic, the Amish, and yet he's doing it with synths, a very modern instrument, but yeah, he's so brilliant at that. But we're not not making that argument because Dead Poets was a lot more rousing, and I got to say, Steve, uh, in my my summer when I was the usher... Mm Um, Dead Poets was the sleeper hit of the summer. Mm-hmm. Dead Poets wasn't supposed to do anything. It came out and made over $100 million. It was like no one expected much from it. And I remember once, Senora Bricker, my Spanish teacher in high school, who hated me, Senora Bricker, you know? And she had this like shock of white hair and these kind of scary teeth. And she went in there to see Dead Poets, you know? And I knew that it was really mushy all about teachers. I'm thinking, man, Bricker's going to charge out of this thing in about 15 minutes, you know? And then she made the whole thing, and she was the first one to come out of the uh, theater sobbing. Bricker had emotions, and we hugged. But then she was mean to me again on Monday. (laughs) I doubt it. Yeah. Jari... Easily one of the most decorated uh, composers that we talk about today. He is I, had, I had a chance to interview him a few years ago. Did you? He, he came to town with, um, I think he was performing with the Florida Orchestra. This wow. is maybe 10 years ago or so, something like that. But uh, a yeah, very interesting man. And, of course, when you, when you start listing off these, all these movies that he's involved with, all the way back to... Uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Lawrence of Arabia and you know, the, the early David, David Lean types of movies. Chicago. Yeah. I mean, that's... You, you're talking to history there. Yeah. So I, I've actually talked to a, a few on this list. The number one person on the list is someone that I think we would all love to have on this show someday. Oh, my gosh. I've tried to get this interview a lot of times, and it hasn't happened, but I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Here's our number one movie score of the 1980s. Number one. The Empire Strikes Back by the great John Williams. Yes, and that's the Imperial March, Darth Vader's strutting music. Has there ever been more ominous music? You know what, the thing, you talk about the the ominous aspect of it, but that's where Williams is brilliant because he's so economic with his stuff. There's only two notes basically in Jaws. There's only, what, four notes here. Right. Four notes. In four notes, he can get that kind of tension that kind yeah. of, of close encounters yeah same thing yeah do, 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 do. same thing so we really had a fight about john williams um indiana jones the raiders of the raiders march was basically number one for a while we're like oh we, you know i don't know it's hard to beat the imperial march darth vader's music you know but there were so many from the 80s I mean, how do you think we did persal would you have put indy on there do you like this pick? no i i, I would have stuck right with um Right with the Empire Strikes Back, yeah. Over over Raiders. That, that this is the one that if I wake up in the morning, you know, with just nothing in my head, this one might pop in. What's so weird is it I lost. Won't, I won't be going da 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 waking up either. The, the uh, it's what's so weird is it was nominated for an Oscar and lost to somebody else on the list today. Of course, uh, Michael Gore in Fame actually what? won. Yeah, really weird, huh? That is weird. Oh man, you don't get much more iconic than I think. Uh, I think probably the whole Star Wars curse to some degree. I mean, I think, and, and I think Steve will agree. I mean, science fiction movies don't do well. well that's that's, that's the, the whole thing. That uh, it, it's when the blockbuster imperative we've discussed before started in the nineteen seventies, mid seventies, you know, with Jaws and Star Wars and these kinds of things. 
immediately the Academy, not Hollywood in general, because they love making money, but the Academy said, no, 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 that's a little bit too popcornish. It's a little bit too childish for us. And, and they're just now getting over that kind of, of uh, discrimination, I guess you'd call it, uh, with nominating things like Avatar and District 9 and so forth. See, I think they've, gone, they've bent over backwards too much now. Like, I don't think, I mean, Avatar, I, I hate to see that win on Sunday night. I don't think it will. Good. Because, but I, I, all the great science fiction movies of the last 20 or 30 years that didn't get a nod. Yeah, but they, they, wanted, to, they wanted to include the geeks, the sci-fi fantasy geeks who are rarely, uh, maybe with a, with, a, with a Lord of the Rings movie or... Uh, maybe a Titanic, if you want to stretch it and say it's a right. it's a it's a special effects movie. Um, you know they 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 they've included them this year, but they're not going to to honor many of them on Sunday night. I just want to say one more thing about uh, John Williams, and maybe you agree with me, Steve. Um, I think a hundred years from now, I think this is kind of our our Mozart. I think that this music that Williams did for all these movies work can work without the image on the screen. Yeah. Maybe that's maybe uh, maybe that's not fair of me to say because it's so in, the what the images are so ingrained in my DNA. But this music is so good and so rousing that I think it works well, as classical music. I think it works it works separately. And and don't uh, don't underestimate when he's when he's not being in such a rousing type of mode too. Schindler's List, beautiful, is a <laughs> absolutely breathtaking With, it's movie Perlman's, soundtrack. It's uh, violin, yeah, right. yeah. So so he's he's one of those guys that. Um, he can do it all, and he has pretty much done it all, and we keep listening to him over and over again. You know, if we get uh, John Williams, if we get the interview, I want Steve Persall right next to me. Instead what do you of, think, Steve? Instead of me? No, you're there, too. Will you stop? I'll just we, run we the phone. We need a group hug after this. Oh, I'll my just, God. Come on. It's just a couple buttons i got to push. I accept push. your invitation and your apology for all the comments <laughs> you've made about me throughout the show. <laughs> hey, that's all we got for this week. I hope you enjoyed our top ten list. If you disagree with us, always email us. Uh, the address is sdaily at sptimes.com. <laughs> In the meantime, our special thanks to Steve Persaw. Uh, Sean Daly and I remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is produced by the St. Petersburg Times and TampaBay.com. Read the blog at blogs.tampabay.com and remember to subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. Have you? Did you shove the Rubik's cube up my? Ass? Yeah, I have to bleep that. <laughs>